Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The President of the United States opened the border. We, we documented 64 specific actions that Joe Biden and his agencies have taken to create this catastrophe. They did it intentionally. That's why his approval rating is uh, in the tank. 60% of the people disapproved by your latest poll. The reason the presidency is imperiled is because this is an abject failure of leadership. The, the American people are done with this. The border has to be secured. And the president has the authority right now. He doesn't need another act of Congress. He could do it right now. If you just give me a new law, a new law, why doesn't the president can fix this? He already has the existing law. And border patrol this, this will is say also right silly. To your face. I need a piece of paper from Congress to deal with the border. No, you already have that. Are you ready? We are ready. I am ready. I've been ready since uh, about 4:30 this morning. It is great to be with you. 704-570-1110. It's the Brett Witterbull show. So we're supposed to believe, and this is just from today, we're supposed to believe that under Donald Trump, the border was wide open because that's what Joe Biden says he's going to start saying. He's going to say that, Joe, that, that, that Donald Trump is the reason why we have a catastrophe at the border. He's going to say that it's Donald Trump's fault. Um, go back to uh, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. Uh, tell me when the border was wide open. Somebody, please, anybody, I'm begging you, tell me when the border was wide open uh, under the Trump administration. Factually, it's not true. Joe Biden is telling fibs like he does. Uh, and it's it's just not to be believed. Number one. Number two. Number two. Joe Biden signed 94 executive orders that destroyed the integrity of the border. And now he is saying it's it's Mike Johnson's fault. It is Mike Johnson's fault for the border being busted? Really? It's Trump's fault? This is absolutely incredible. This president, your president, the president that you voted for, that you selected, that you checked the box so he would become the next president of the United States, that president is willing to disregard Supreme Court rulings on the bailout of student loan debt but he's powerless at the border he's powerless at the border do not believe that joe biden is the most powerful man in the world the man who can single-handedly fight the houthis and fight the iranians and, and fight whomever uh the insurrectionists put him in jail, put him in prison. But he's poor, poor Joe Biden. He's he's powerless at the border. There's nothing he can do. And meanie, big meanie, big orange meanie himself. Donald Trump is controlling the border. OK, you know what? Here's here's a proposition for all of you people in this audience who voted for Joe Biden. Here's a great proposition for you. Let's impeach my Let's remove him from office, make Donald Trump the border czar and put to the test, put to the test what Donald Trump would be able to do at the border. He could he could even do it under Joe Biden. Let's do that test. Let's try that.
Let's try that. Because these goofy people in the Senate do not understand the basic principles of a constitutional republic. Number one, who's with me, ladies and gentlemen, on this, the 113th anniversary of one of the greatest presidents of all human history, Ronald Wilson Reagan, born today. Who here thinks that financial bills, um, issues that involve the funding of government originate, taxes originate in the Senate? They don't. They originate in the House. You want to spend all this money for Israel? You want to spend all this money for Ukraine? You want to spend all this money for Taiwan? You want to spend all this money on the border? $2.6 billion going into the pockets of the NGOs. No, no, it doesn't stand for no good organizations, but they do act that way because they're bringing people in and shuffling them around the country. Um, You're supposed to do funding measures out of the house. These silly, squishy, silly men And women in the Senate think they're superior to you. They're not. They're subordinate to you. The only the only branch that really counts when it comes to making real policy is the House of Representatives, because the House of Representatives is the closest to the people. All those fancy people that, you know, North Carolina senators, South Carolina senators, Delaware senators, New York senators, California senators, all those fancy senators that are sitting back, looking their noses down on Mike Johnson and his uh, his his house. Guess what, boys? Guess what, boys? You guys don't get to call the tune because if it's about funding, it's got to come out of the House. If it's about taxes, it's got to come out of the House. The House is responsible for this. And so I'm hearing crickets. Did Ted Budd weigh in on this deal? Did Tom Tillis weigh in on this deal? Did Lindsey Graham weigh in on this deal? Did Tim Scott weigh in on this deal? Did Nikki Haley weigh in on this deal? It's fine. They can all weigh in all they want. The House has to fund it. The funding comes from the House. And Joe Biden wants to uh, look at the House and look his nose down at it and say, well, the House is under the control of Donald Trump. Well, Joe, why don't you go down there and take control of the House? Oh, because you can't. Because you can't. Because let's be honest here. You, You control blue cities. The bluest of the blue cities, the bluest of the blue states, the the most failing institutions in those locations can't even protect the cops in New York City. Can't even protect the cops in New York City. Getting beat up by Venezuelan gangs. Then hiding out in Arizona. Ah, Kirsten Cinema Land. You notice those guys didn't go and hide out in Mississippi. Those guys didn't go and hide out in Alabama, Louisiana, North Florida. They, they didn't go hide out over there. They went to where they knew they'd be safe. And now they're under arrest with ICE holding them in custody. And you know what's going to happen? Alejandro Mayorkas will pick up the phone and say, release them. Release them. These are poor people. We must cater to them. Do not take anything from the White House in any way, shape, or form as a serious statement. What president walks up to the microphone, a sitting president with the nuclear codes and the Popeye eye? What what guy stands there and says, we can't fix the border because Donald Trump's a meanie? 
Fix the border, Joe. Fix the border, Cammy. F- fix the border. Each and every one. Just get in there and fix it. If, man, if I was Joe Biden and I was feeling like Donald Trump was rolling me over, you know what I would do? I'd write out a bunch of executive orders to shut the, shut the border down just to make the point. Problem is, Joe Biden will have to then reopen the border so that the continuous flow of human cargo comes back up into the United States as demanded by AMLO and the cartels. But, but Donald Trump is mean. Donald Trump secured the border. Joe, are you afraid you're not going to measure up? You know, you're all about an administration filled with firsts. Here, here's an idea for you. Instead of all the firsts of the people that you appointed to different positions, whether or not they were qualified, let's get a real first in place. Let's get somebody competent to run the border in place. Boy, that would be a first. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Whittable Show, 704-570-1110. Earlier today, uh, the... The uh, appeals court in Washington, D.C. decided that uh, Donald Trump does not have the immunity that he claims he has. And so now we expect this may go to the Supreme Court. It may not. We have to wait and see what it is that's going to happen. They were popping champagne on on the left wing channels. And uh, now we wait and see how this is all going to play out is is the ultimate plan to try to jail him. That is that is the question. And it would seem to me that Jack um, Jack Smith and. And Murky Garland and the rest of them are, are going to try to get an overdrive so that they can get him uh, convicted and behind bars because he is, according to the uh, court in D.C., not not uh, immune from uh, from any of these things. So seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten. Let's go out and talk to Mickey next up. Mickey, welcome to the program. Hello, hello, Mickey. hello. Uh, I really thought you just nailed about everything uh, just before the break. Uh, I, I love your enthusiasm. What I'm going to say is probably speaking to the choir. Yes, sir. Uh, but uh, any part, anyone who's part of the Democratic machine, meaning the bureaucrats, the leadership, the uh, all of the government agencies that they have in their pocket, yes, sir. Uh, including the media, that's who I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about most uh, of the electorate, and the, the only part of the electorate, uh, electorate that I would include in that is those that are ignorant or lazy or too stupid not to drink the Kool-Aid. Mm. But there are exceptions, and I think the exceptions that under, that, that uh, think for themselves and keep up with what's going on and, and don't just swallow the, the hook, line, and sinker, yes, sir. I think a lot of those may be voting for anybody but Biden mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this next time around. I don't know about the local or lower slate elect elections mm-hmm. but uh it, it, watching l- looking at all this crap for so long I, I i think it's pretty obvious to anybody that has uh 
recognizes that if a Democrat in the group that I described Mm -hmm. uh, is accusing anyone of doing anything bad, all they're doing is telegraphing what they're actually Mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. That's, That's the first part of this. The second part of this, if any of that bunch opens their mouth, they're lying. And I would not exclude uh, very many of the Senate members, including Republicans, from this same comment. And that's all I have to say. I I got you, Mickey. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Very good insights uh, in, in that regard. So let's take a dive into this for a quick second. Because we are being told uh, a number of fictions on a daily basis. Now, look, I know, you know, the Washington Post always like to keep the track record of exactly how many lies Donald Trump told. Yet you do not ever see a single solitary lie published in the Washington Post. They're just not interested in doing that. And, and look, I understand that talking about how it is that we function in this government uh, and, tra- and trying to get people on being uh, inconsistent is just that's that's shooting fish in a barrel. OK, that's shooting fish in a barrel. But let me let me go to something very specific and very important. This is cut number eight. Cut number eight. This is Chuck Schumer basically haranguing the American people. And uh, do you not have that? Oh, OK. OK. Um, so Chuck Schumer did this uh, did this statement yesterday on on Ms. NBC and Chuck Schumer uh, said uh, a number of things, but he sort of kind of threatened the electorate right up front. Go. Turning point in America. This bill is crucial and history will look back on it and say, did America fail itself? Why is it crucial? Well, if we don't aid uh, Ukraine. Putin will be walk all over Ukraine. We will lose the war and we could be fighting in Eastern Europe in a NATO ally in a few years. Americans won't like that. If we don't help Israel defend itself against Hamas, that perpetual war will go on and on and on. If we don't help humanitarian aid to the starving Palestinians in Gaza, hundreds of thousands could starve. And the border. Everyone has said it's chaos. The border. A speaker, you just saw Speaker Johnson. He said it's mm-hmm. chaos. We have to do something legislative a few months ago. The border. But what has happened, and answer your, to que- your question, so this is crucial for America. It's a turning point. Mm-hmm. History is going to look over our shoulders and say, did we rise to the occasion? I have an answer straight ahead. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Anna Erickson's got the update. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Whittable Show. 704-570-1110. I want to to recognize somebody who who has gone too soon. And uh, it was announced this way at about 5 o'clock this morning when I first heard it. Cut number one. Oh, we're getting cut number one. You don't have cut number one? Okay, that's all right. I think you have different numbers than me. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Uh, all right. All right. So ready? Uh, this is what I heard at five o'clock this morning. Go. A Fox.
Fox News alert, country music star Toby Keith has died at the age of 62. A post on social media from early this morning says, quote, Toby Keith passed away peacefully last night, surrounded by his family. He fought his fight with grace and courage. Please respect the privacy of his family at this time. Now, I'm going to make an observation here, and then I'm going to bring on uh, somebody who's going to uh, uh, share with us his, his uh, observation here. Um, but here's, here's what I want to start with, okay? If you go back in time, back to 2002, in July of 2002, a, a really true and actual uh, ugly event took place. And it was brought to you by, not the red, white, and blue, but it was brought to you by Peter Jennings. Peter Jennings, the Canadian newsman, who was the anchor of ABC News, decided that he was going to single-handedly kick Toby Keith out of the commemoration for the uh, attacks that had taken place uh, just about six, eight months earlier. In fact, I went back to get the contemporaneous uh, story, and it was September the 20th, 2002, that this piece ran uh, over in the New York Post. Give him the boot. Toby Keith has something to kick about. And it was... When Peter Jennings booted the country singer off of his fourth, um, his July 4th ABC special because Toby Keith wanted to perform his chart-topping tune courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, the Angry American, right? A clenched fist reaction to 9-11 that revels in the Taliban getting bombed out of Afghanistan. So keep in mind, this is a, an article that was written in 2002. So this is when this was happening. Jennings objected to lyrics like, Justice will be served and the battle will rage. This big dog will fight when you rattle his cage. And you'll be sorry you messed with the U.S. of A. Because we'll put a boot in your, um, you know, in the American way. But the public feud between the Canadian newscaster and the country singer only helped boost sales of Toby Keith's new album at that time, Unleashed. Which went on to top the charts while Jennings' special sank in the ratings. Toby Keith at that time said in, in an interview, this is back when he was 41. It's clear that Jennings is out of touch with the American people, he told the New York Post from his ranch in Norman, Oklahoma. He said, this, this is a, a problem, this idea that, you know, he could be canceled by Peter Jennings? Well, we forget how powerful Peter Jennings was. Peter Jennings was very powerful. And, and he led all those people who thought we were being jingoistic for fighting against the Taliban and trying to kill um, Osama bin Laden. So... Uh, I, I want to defer to a different generation, though, and this is Isaac. Isaac is uh, is is one of our new producers on the program, and I want to welcome him onto the mic. Good to have you here, Isaac. Good to be here. Okay, so you had a uh, had an experience with Toby Keith in a specific time in your life. Talk a little bit about where you were with him, uh, what you heard, et cetera, and what was the occasion. So I was lucky enough to get to go to the Donald Trump inauguration uh, in 2016. And um, no matter what your politics were, whenever Toby Keith came out at the celebration that evening and sang courtesy of the red, white, and blue, that's an American moment you can't beat. No matter mm -hmm. what your politics, it was a, it was a patriotic moment, and mm -hmm. it, was, uh, it was that everybody is American today. No matter what you are, everybody's American. That, see, that's awesome. That's awesome. And now 
Toby Keith has passed to the to 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 the next world, and you know it's a it's a loss. But this is a person who was an American original in many ways. He was somebody who charted his own course, wrote his own music, didn't rely on other songwriters to sell him his music. And, by the way, had a number of chart, chart toppers. Uh, for a guy who started out fairly on the older side, he ended up doing pretty good stuff, man. How do you like me now? Ah, oh, there you go. So, see, my man Isaac, is, uh, is, he's mourning today. And uh, he's, he's, uh, he's feeling a little blue about the passing of, of Toby Keith. And I know many people in this audience appreciate what Toby Keith did. He's, he's a country star, but he's really kind of a rock and roll star, too, at the same time. I mean, let's be honest about this. So, um, your thoughts on this day. What do, you, what do you have to say about Toby Keith? That's a tough one, but uh, all, all I'm going to say is that there will be beers drank tonight, and uh, he, he will be remembered. Way to go. Way to go, Isaac! Great outing, man. Great outing. That's uh, that's Isaac. He is our new producer here on the show with uh, TJ, and uh, we appreciate his uh, his his uh, his sentiments on this uh, very important, uh, sad passing of of Toby Keith. And I think it's important to to, re- to recognize, you know, when you are in the presence of greatness, you have to recognize the greatness and take away from it what you can take away from it. Uh, and certainly, we'll take your your thoughts out here in the audience if you want to. Uh, remember uh, uh, Toby Keith in a particular way, 704-570-1110. See, we mix it up here. We do politics. We do culture. We, we do uh, stuff that's kind of indeterminate. And um, it's, it's really a, uh, a pleasure to have this opportunity uh, to speak with you uh, in this regard. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm thinking back on that time uh, back in, uh, in, in 2001 when we had gotten attacked. And... There was a great deal of uncertainty as to what was going to come next. But you know what I remember there being? Resolve. Resolve fanned by the people who believed that this country would eventually triumph against this darkness that came out of Afghanistan and the Middle East. We don't hear a lot about resolve anymore. We hear about victimhood these days. We hear about helplessness. We hear about, I don't want to identify as an American. I don't want to identify as somebody who's proud of my country. I don't want to identify as somebody um, who, who believes that America's best days are in front of us. We have a lot of people who are willing to crouch down and hide in the corner, sucking their thumbs, hoping that they can change whatever, whatever way they identify. And that's a shame. Because you should always be proud to be an American, regardless who's in Washington, D.C., and you should always be proud to be an American and be willing to stand up and defend this country, whether in a discussion, an argument, God forbid, even a fight. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. News Talk, left 10, 99.3 WBT. Brett Witterbull Show. Let's jump out of the phones, take some calls. Let's talk to Matthew. Matthew, welcome to the program. Yes, Brett, welcome. Great show. Thanks for calling um, today. I'd like to talk about Toby Keith. Sure. I was fortunate enough to uh, see him overseas uh, on a USO tour, and he stood by after a great concert that rocked the house for at least an hour and a half to sign whatever people wanted to sign, take photos, shake hands. It was awesome. See, that's amazing. That's a man of the people that wants to be connected to the people. He is. He's a great, great guy. Really talented man, too. Um, 
you know, Matthew, uh, it's it's not surprising to me because he he was committed because his father was a veteran, and he was committed yes. to uh, to serving. Uh, the, the men and women under arms, especially in those dangerous places. I mean, he flew in a. I mean, he was a big, tall guy, so he flew in a Black Hawk helicopter uh, to to go out to, to to places to visit troops. I mean, it was it's some it's it's one of the good things uh, about being a, a successful person like him that he would have that opportunity. But he also brought a lot of joy to a lot of other people too. Yes, it was it was very direct and to the point, and you know, such a good American. Where was the show? that you went to? Um, I saw him in Korea right after he came over from Afghanistan. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for being out there, and thank you for, for being in the service and, and, and all of that. I appreciate you, Matthew. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yep, you're welcome. Absolutely. Ed is up next. Ed, welcome to the program. Hey, how uh, you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for calling, sir. I've been listening a while. I thought I'd call in about this Toby. I uh, had a little song for tribute for him. I had want to sing right quick okay but uh you know i used to go to texaco and i would get with the little little drinks you know it's like 12 percent alcohol when they get back in the truck seemed like there's always a toby song on uh-huh at that moment i don't know if that's synergy or what wow it's pretty amazing but, uh, that's pretty amazing yeah now i've got a little little takeoff on the thing it's going to be like gold snowflake gold snowflake who's your daddy if you're going to be whiny, going to put a boot in your honey. Today I'm lifting Toby up with a little sip for my red solo cup because I love this bar. Going to sing a little tribute to my star because I want to talk about me and have a little weed with Willie. Oh, there we go, Toby. All right, man. All right, there you go. Uh, there, there was Ed. That was Ed with, uh, with a take. Uh, you know, the takes, the takes are varied. You're going to have varied takes, and you're going to have varied uh, uh, things like that. So here's what we've got coming up. I started this in the beginning of the hour, and I said this is the 113th anniversary of the birth of Ronald Wilson Reagan. And so what we are going to do is we're going to be joined by a good friend of mine, Jeffrey Lord. He is uh, he's at uh, he's in D.C. today. And he's having a conversation with a number of the alumni of the uh, Reagan administration. And I want to get his uh, reflections and his thoughts uh, because I think it's, it's well worth uh, uh, doing that. Um, I, I caught up with, uh, with Michael Reagan earlier today to, to just uh, catch up with him and say, hey. And I got to tell you, he, um, I, I, I had a, a good conversation with him and I asked him this question. I said, uh, do you trust what's going on in D.C. with the border stuff? Because you go back to the Simpson-Mazzoli bill, Simpson-Mazzoli was the last big piece of legislation that was accomplished for the border. And Alan Simpson was, was one of the parties. He was a, a rock-ribbed conservative. And uh, unfortunately, when the Democrats got down to negotiating with the administration, they promised, they promised that there was going to be border security uh, as a result of this policy. And it was called the Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986. Uh, Romano Mazzoli was a Democrat representative from Kentucky. And Alan Simpson was a Republican senator from Wyoming. And they were the people that delivered this deal. It was signed into law by Ronald Reagan on November the 6th, 1986. What did this do? The Immigration Reform and Control Act altered U.S. immigration law 
by making it illegal to hire illegal immigrants knowingly and establishing financial and other penalties for people and companies who did that. So what ended up happening? Basically nothing. They got amnesty for 2 million people. They got amnesty for 2 million people. And they never secured the border. It never happened. The law established financial and other penalties for those employing undocumented migrants under the theory that low prospects for employment would reduce undocumented immigration. Regulations promulgated under the act introduced the I-9 form that we all fill out when we go and get a job. Got prove that you're an American citizen. By splitting the H-2 visa category created by the INA of 1952, you ended up with the H-2A visa and the H-2B visa. But there, there, wasn't, there, there wasn't any real action on the border in terms of making sure that the border was going to be secured. A 2015 study found that the legalization of 3 million immigrants reduced crime by 3 to 5 percent, primarily property crime. But they did not secure the border. And Ronald Reagan, who at 113 years of age, if he were still alive today, that'd be quite something, um, would still be waiting for the border to be secured. And the border has still not been secured. This is a problem. This is a big problem. So Jeff Lord's going to join us. I'm going to get his thoughts on the 113th and maybe his thoughts on what we heard from Joe Biden earlier today, blaming all of it on Trump and the Trump Republicans. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show, 704-570-1110. Good to be with you today. And this is the 113th anniversary of the passing, I mean of the birth, of uh, Ronald Wilson Reagan. And I could think of nobody better in this world to catch up with than our good friend Jeffrey Lord. He is uh, an alumni of the uh, Reagan administration. Jeffrey, it's great to have you on the show today. It's great. This is a great day and. I can tell you that I am at this minute arriving in Washington, D.C., where tonight I will be attending the Reagan Alumni Association celebration of President Reagan's 113th birthday. A Look, a transformational figure in so many ways. Most importantly, what we saw uh, during the Carter years and then what we would see by the end of the, the second term of, of Ronald Reagan's administration. I, I want to ask you against that backdrop. Um, how shameful it is to hear this particular president come out and, and blame Donald Trump for for the border ills and the border issues and uh, the, that 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 Mike Johnson is refusing to take action because Donald Trump you is know, controlling everything. I mean, what are we what are we looking at here, Jeffrey? You know, this is what I find so particularly infuriating here. Um, when Joe Biden took office. 
he signed about, I don't know, 15, 17, 13 executive orders mm-hmm. that repealed just about all the important things that Donald Trump had done with the border. And now all this chaos is broken loose, and he has the nerve to blame Trump? <laughs> I mean, you know, it boggles the mind. It, it, it does. And uh, I, I, would, I would take us back for just a brief moment to 1986, when Ronald Reagan, in good faith, negotiated with Simpson and Mazzoli and, 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 and tried to get the borders secured, we ended up uh, regularizing, I guess, what, two or three million people who were uh, undocumented illegal immigrants who would then get citizenship, but they never secured the border. It's incredible. No, no. And I, I think, you know, somewhere he's shaking his head at all of this because this was not the kind of thing that he envisioned. Uh, when he when he did that, he was he was among other things a man of great uh, empathy, mm-hmm. and uh, he had uh, feelings for all of these folks that wanted to come to America. He believed, you know, completely in America and the American dream and all of that sort of thing. And uh, to see it come to this with all these poor, desperate people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just uh, it's just not good at all. Yeah. And you know, we gotta we gotta do something here. This is this is unacceptable. And uh, uh, and and so so reversible. And the thing that concerns me is the, the minute I understood that the Republican leadership and the Democrats, Schumer, etc. We're negotiating in secret yep. on a border bill. I thought, this is not going to end well. Nope. <laughs> it is not. There's only one reason you negotiate in secret. It's because you don't want people to know what you're putting in there. But finally, at last, the bill goes public, and of course, right. predictably, all hell is breaking loose. Right. And it's not only, interestingly to me, and I've written about this in today's piece at the American Spectator, Sure, it's not just the border issue per se, now it's a question of the Republican leadership in the Senate. And uh, I noticed that, excuse me, that Senator Mike Lee from Utah has said that uh, the Republican leadership, a.k.a. Mitch McConnell, has, uh, quote-unquote, betrayed Republican senators on the border issue. So there's going to be some turmoil uh, with that, for sure. There sure is. Uh Jeffrey Lord, it's it's wonderful to catch up with you on this uh, 113th anniversary of the birth of Ronald Reagan, and uh, your perspective is is always welcome, and, and we appreciate it. Uh, a final question on your way out the door, and it is this: um, Does this just add uh, add to more of the troubles for this administration trying to uh, uh, kind of shine people down the line? Yeah, absolutely, it does. You know, I, I it's. Not since the Carter years have I seen a group of people who have done more to self-inflict damage yeah. <laughs> on themselves, politically speaking. Just, you know, everything they touch is, uh, goes bad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is, this is very difficult. And the American people are out there. They're watching this whole thing. You know, this most recent thing with, with Joe Biden talking about how he'd spent time talking to President Mitterrand of France. Oh, gosh. Who will last died in 1996 <laughs> when he meant to say macron uh you know i mean this is this is bad stuff and the american people get it for sure 
So it's only a matter of time. The problem is it's only February. we got a long way to go until uh, yeah. November. 272 days, so strap in. And uh, please send. Not that we're, not that we're counting. <laughs> not that we're counting. And please, and please pass along our kind regards to the great alumni of that of that Reagan administration. We appreciate you jumping in, uh, in with us today, and uh, enjoy the night, my friend. I will do it. Okay, thanks, Brett. Bye bye. You got it. That's Jeffrey Lord. I'm Brett Witterville. Seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten. We're going to have a, a conversation come up at the bottom of this hour with Paul Winfrey. And we're going to talk about all this money that is sloshing around in these Bidenomics uh, slush funds, direct payments funded by your tax dollars, uh, the idea of subsidizing all of these projects, including what we just saw uh, take place here. Two point three billion dollars being set aside to uh, to deal with uh, the the NGOs. Right. Those are the private uh, organizations that are out there. Uh, working with these folks, getting them uh, to to where they're trying to get them. You know, you want to get on an airplane and you go anywhere in the United States. Congratulations. Here you go. Enjoy, enjoy. Um, all the way up to a, a number of different uh, failings th- that are happening all at the same time. And so we're going to we're going to catch up with that later on in the program. We're also going to uh, visit with somebody who's got a, a very important uh, perspective as it relates to looking at what the true scale is that we are up against. This is an important issue. It's going to be an issue throughout the election, as I mentioned to Jeffrey Lord, 272 days uh, until the election. And this is going to go fairly quickly. Um, it's going to go fairly quickly. And, and look, the reality is the American people have an A-B comparison in front of them, both for the Congresses, both for the Senate's and for the presidency. And so people are going to be able to draw their own conclusions in moments. What are you doing with those Apple Vision goggles? This is crazy. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. All right. Admittedly, I don't use Apple products. I'm not an Apple products guy. My All of my family is an Apple products guy. My my kids, my wife, they, they, they use the uh, the Apple stuff. I, I use the, the stingy, awful uh, uh, Android stuff. Like I have an Android phone and it, you know, it's 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 just it's just a per- personal preference that I have chosen to go with. But I'm looking at this Apple Vision Pro thing that has now become a huge, a huge deal. And I am shocked by some of the stuff that what people are doing. You know, there are people driving with the goggles on. Have you seen this? There are people driving their oh, car. No. Yes, they are driving their car with these. This with is these, terrible. I mean, it looks like a scuba mask, basically. Yeah. And. You can do all kinds of weird stuff with it, right? It's augmented reality, and you can have experiences like uh, LSD trips because you can sell strobing inside there. While you're riding down the road, well, that's you, a good idea. While you're doing all kinds of stuff, man. You, you know, this, it's just wild. It's VR. The Vision Pro, Apple's new VR mixed reality headset, generated a wealth of dystopian images as influencers took the premium device out for a spin in the real world after its launch on Friday. Here are just a few examples. YouTubers Isaac Mazna and Patrick Tommaso went out for dinner. 
while both were wearing the $3,499 goggles on their faces. Ex-user Dante wore the headset while in a self-driving Tesla tapping at the air um, until... (laughs) This is just so ridiculous. Tapping at the air until... The clip cuts to show him parked with police lights flashing in his rear window. A man wore his Vision Pro on the subway to work. New York City. You want to get robbed? Welcome to Robville. Uh, To work, which again, to others, looks like gesturing at nothing in the ether. They probably just figure he's on something. Casey Nestat unsteadily climbed a set of stairs while responding to texts while wearing the headset. And YouTube uh, Victor Abarca held a dinner party where the guests clinked glasses while looking at each other through pass-through video feeds. In one clip, ex-user Alex Finn sits in his living room surrounded by seven virtual screens showing sports and social media before reaching for a sandwich. And he's all disoriented. So what are we doing here? This is the future of work. They are going to outfit you with these goggles, with the VR. And then you're going to sit around in your office 19 hours a day with these things on your eyes. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not any kind of an expert other than I can see dumb decisions from miles away. I, I, don't you worry about me. I can spot a fake in a Fugazi. I know when someone's trying to troll me. I'm not going to wear the goggles because I feel like that's being trolled. I feel like that is being trolled. While the creators behind many of these posts and videos lauded the Vision Pro, Nestat called it the single greatest piece of tech I've ever used. Many observers pointed out that this is all just a little bit black mirror and lamented a possible future where people walk around not looking at the real world with their real eyes but a video feed. I agree with that 100%. I agree with that you got people sitting in restaurants. Seriously, you know what that tells me? That tells me there is going to be an epidemic of stolen goggles. Ooh. And thirty five hundred bucks each, stolen goggles and stolen stuff because you're not paying attention. You know what else it tells me? What these people have boring friends. It does. Why are you going to dinner and then just? Looking at looking each other at through the thing? You're, you're, yeah, that's weird. I don't get this at all. I, I think it. this is horrible. The good news is there's very little chance that any of this stuff is going to actually be, you know, used in a big way at any time soon. But here, here's the problem, okay? This is more of us being disconnected from the rest of us. And, I, and it's, you know, we're going to have a virtual this and a virtual that. My God, what happens with the deep fakes? What happens with these deep fakes? What happens with all these different things that are going to be coming down here? I mean, are you not going to want to go to a real concert because you're going to watch it on your little on your little mask? I mean, come on, right? Google Glass, anyone? I mean, the Google Glassing with the little tiny square that you're looking at. I mean, this is this is this is more of of the world separating from each other not having to interact with each other now maybe you maybe i'm wrong maybe you really like this 
Maybe you're somebody who's sitting back there saying, no, this technology is incredible. It's going to be great. It's going to save lives. It's going to make us more aware of things. It's going to uh, whatever it is. You know what I see when I see this? I see. I I, I see. um, First person shooter. I see people just walking around and doing all the shooting and, and stuff like that and, and, and then utilizing this uh, goggle for some other nefarious purpose. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I see. Look, look at Crumble. Uh, uh, Crumbly, the guy Crumbly, the guy who shot up the, 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 the school in Michigan, his mother just got convicted for supporting him. For like, he, they bought him a gun. Uh, he was threatening to hurt people. Don't pay no never mind. It's absolutely terrible. You know who's going to really be missing out? Although this might not. No, this will be bad. The travel industry. Oh, I don't have to go to I don't have to go to Egypt. I don't have to go to Japan. I, I don't have to go to Thai, uh, Tahiti. I could just sit in my hot tub and pretend like I'm in Tahiti right now. How's it feeling? It's Tahiti. It's a little Tahiti for me. You know what I mean? I got to turn it down a little bit. I'll tell you what, I'm having some fun. What do you say we go to the top of the Alps? Ooh, now, hey, whoa, a little cold over here. Whoa, no, hey, hold on. Smear some Vicks on your body and make it feel winter fresh. I mean, I don't, this is crazy. This is nuts. Now, here's what's going to be great. I'm still going to go on trips. I ain't wearing these goggles. I'm not wearing the goggles on the plane. I can't even deal with people that wear hats on airplanes. I, I will say... On the plane may be the place to wear it. No. Oh, man. No. Being an alternate reality as opposed to being in that cramp. So what happens if you're wearing the goggles and your significant other's wearing the goggles and you're just kind of like, you know, watching an episode of uh, SpongeBob. Yeah. And the other person sitting next to you seems to be communicating in a very special way with somebody in row seven. Whoa. What's going on? Well, that's a whole separate problem. We don't need that. Get that me, doesn't have anything to do with the get glasses, me, actually. Get me Judge Judy. Whoa. 704-570-1110. You are not the father. <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Whittable Show. It's great to be here with you. And I am... Um, I, I am really happy to welcome to the program somebody who's uh, so spot on target here with uh, what it is that's happening in this in this world today. Um, it, it, it is a uh, it is a pleasure to welcome to the program Paul Winfrey. Paul Winfrey is uh, is joining us between the standoff uh, between Texas and the Biden administration over the southern border and House and Senate leaders arguing over legislation on migrants coming to the U.S. and the issue of illegal immigration. Well, we got to find something out about this Bidenomics slush fund that exists. And so we reach out to uh, Epic founder and CEO Paul Winfrey, who is part of the uh, Economic Policy Innovation Center. And I wanted to bring him on the program now. Talk a little bit about this, Paul. Thank you for joining us on the program. What is this Biden administration slush fund that's going out for the migrants? 
Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Sure. Uh, so back, your listeners probably remember uh, that when Biden first came into office, he ran through Congress this uh, Build Back Better bill, or ARPA was the official name for it. And as part of that, there was a $350 billion slush fund uh, that was supposed to go to states and local governments to help them uh, build back the revenue that they had lost during the pandemic that they, they never actually did lose. And so the administration has been pushing on the state and local governments, uh, you know, to basically use this money for whatever they can they can dream up. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that the state of Washington uh, has dreamed up a opportunity to use about three hundred and forty million dollars from their allocation to provide thousand dollar checks uh, to folks. Uh, but there's uh, one requirement. And that is, is that to receive the check, you have to be an undocumented immigrant. Wow. Uh, You have to literally be here illegally in order to receive the money. Now, this is uh, this is a terrible uh, revelation. We have veterans on the streets. We have people who, you know, may not know where their next meal is coming, but they may be Americans uh, through and through. How does this get under the wire in this way? Uh, Look, there's almost no oversight. Uh, that's being done right now by Congress, uh, virtually no oversight by uh, the Treasury Department. And, you know, I think that it's this administration's policy, uh, open border policy, to essentially try to get as many people as they can um, to come into the come into the country, right? Right. And one of the ways in which you do that is that you you provide a magnet to, to do so. I mean, it's not just the state of Washington that's giving out thousand dollar checks. Sure. I mean, we have instances where you know the state of Massachusetts is giving out free housing. Uh, Illinois is giving out free legal support. Um, people are getting rental assistance mm-hmm. and, and and food benefits and other things like this. And so, you know, uh, why, why, why wouldn't she come, right? Sure. And so my, my view is that if you're trying to close the border and if you're trying to implement a, a ordered um, legal immigration system, then what you also have to do is you have to get control of the benefits that are essentially acting as a magnet for folks to come here in the first place. You have to scale back the welfare state. Is there any way for, a, 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 say, a, a different administration coming in that they could claw this money back, or is it is it uh, uh, impossible to even try to make that effort? I do think that it's possible to claw this back. I mean, one of the things that we're trying to do right now is to work with Congress to put uh, additional strings uh, attached to the money um, that would make it harder for states and local governments to spend it so willy-nilly as, as they've been doing. Um, right now, to date, there is still about $120 billion in uh, Bidenomic slush fund uh, cash that's still sitting out there wow. um, for use. And there's a reason why the guy uh, who was responsible for doling this out in the White House, Mitch Landry, the former governor from Louisiana, has now gone to the campaign. I mean, essentially what he is doing is going around the country and telling you know governors and mayors and city councils and anybody else who will listen hey, look, there's this money out there. You can do basically whatever you want with it. And all we ask for is for you to put a sign next to the project that thanks Uncle Joe for uh, uh, for, the, for the money in the first place for right. funding it. Right. This this project brought to you by President Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Boom, right? I mean, that's... Exactly. Um, exactly. Let me get your reaction to the extent that you want to comment on this. Uh, to to this, this press conference we saw earlier today, a minor press conference, where Joe Biden was talking about the immigration policy and the way that's going to play out. Um, whether or not people want to agree or disagree with Donald Trump, the fact of the matter is he's accusing Trump of being the reason why the border is not 
is not functioning properly. We, we all saw what the border looked like under the under the Trump administration. Admittedly, it was a different it was a different time and a different place. But but what about this blame shifting? Uh, is this just a non-reality uh, com- coming true? I think that that's I think that that's exactly right. I mean, there's been a there's a completely different posture on immigration policy um, between the two administrations. I mean, I worked in the White House in 2017 uh, as the deputy director of the Domestic Policy Council, overseeing immigration policy as well as other other domestic policies. And uh, you know how, how you know the 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 general philosophy that you you take to your job, just like anybody takes to their job, uh, does actually matter and. You know, one of the peculiar things that we've seen, you know, come out of the Biden White House here, you know, over the last few weeks is that, you know, there's not only this blame shifting, but there's this, you know, Biden's out there talking about how he doesn't have the authorization to do certain things or that he doesn't have the money to do certain things. He 100 percent has the authorization to do to close the border. And, you know, the fact that he's not is a is a strategic decision that they have made to try to make this. Um, you know, uh, to put all of the bad things that are happening in the, you know, in the responsibility of, of Republicans in Congress. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, anybody who falls for that, well, you know, I mean, I've got a, I've got a, a lakefront <laughs> property to sell you in Arizona. It's all Texas's fault, isn't it? Come on, Paul. It's all the <laughs> fault of Greg Abbott and Tex. Everything would have been fine, but for. Um, where do people go to get more information on what you're doing over at Epic so people can keep, uh, keep in touch and, and follow these very important stories that, that may not quite make it on, uh, on the national news uh, when they should? Thanks so much. You can go to our website at www.epicforamerica.org. And, uh, you know, we're putting out research all the time, especially on how the federal dollars get misused. And uh, and then we're also in, in all of the major publications. Uh, and so, you know, to keep reading us and, and follow us um, on our website. And then you can also find me on Twitter at, at Paul Winfrey, W-I-N-F-R-E-E. All right, I'm looking forward to our next visit. Uh, it, we'll, we'll, we'll get together again soon. And by the way, I think this is tremendous information, especially for candidates that are out there interacting uh, with, with, uh, with their constituents. It's very important stuff. All the best to you, Paul. I appreciate you being on the program today, sir. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, you're very welcome. That's Paul Winfrey. Talk 1110-993 WBT, Brett Witterbull Show. Let's grab some calls. Let's talk to some of these great people. Ralph, welcome to the show, Ralph. What's on your mind? Uh, you wanted to comment on Apple Vision. Yes, I am an Android user, but I'm also an Apple stockholder. So, you know, I, I want them to succeed mm-hmm. and everything, uh, but I'm actually wearing a pair right now going down 485, what? 77 miles an hour. No way. Watching, no watching way. Watching CNN headline breaking news, Vladimir Putin has just landed on a planet Titan oh. and is exiting the spaceship oh. on horseback, shirtless, to plant a flag by a river of Texas tea. Black oil. All right. Here's Black the thing. Oil. Let me tell you something here. I appreciate the call. I think you got to uh, re, re, uh, recalibrate that, uh, that uh, particular set of goggles. Yeah. I don't know that those are the VR goggles. Stay hey. off the weed. Could be VR goggles. I don't know. But I hope you're not driving around like that. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a complicated situation. 
That's right. I said situation. I don't even know where that came. It's the goggles I'm wearing. The goggles I'm wearing have now rendered me inert. Let's go over to uh, John next. John, welcome to the program. Hello, John. Hey, Brad, how you doing? I'm great. What's going on? Hey, I had a question, um, and maybe I'm oversimplifying things. Sure. But why doesn't, when we're discussing what Biden can and can't do in the spirit of our border, why doesn't somebody in Congress just stand up and start reading the executive orders that oh, Biden used yes. to repeal all of the executive orders that Trump put in place that secured our border, or better yet, right, read them one for one. Read the Trump executive order, oh. and then read the Biden one that repealed it. Or is that too simple? No, that'd be, that's an amazing, that would be like an amazing filibuster. Wow. Okay. Someone with the goggles hit the button too quick. That was a hit and run. Um, the people... The people who would benefit the most from that are the people who are paying attention the least to this issue. Um, I find when I talk to people who are dealing with a border issue, they they feel like enforcing the border. Well, I understand why people are coming here. They, they want to they, they want to have an opportunity and they want to do stuff. And, you know, it's it, it's like, should we have enough for everybody? Why don't we have everybody come here? That's see, that's not the point. They're playing on your heartstrings. Here's the problem. I played that clip for you earlier about uh, what what, uh, Chuck Schumer was saying about the border. And Chuck Schumer saying, well, if you don't pass this bill, we're going to send your kids to go fight the Russians. And then and then you're also going to be responsible for Israel not getting the money and Taiwan not getting the money and, and the border being dangerous and all this sort of stuff. This is how desperate they are. The border has been underwater as an issue for the Democrats pretty much since 2020. The only thing keeping them in the game is this attempt to try to act concerned about the border. But here we are. How many months into this administration are we? Anybody have any ideas? How many months into this administration? are? Well, we're in what? Essentially what would be the last year of the Biden presidency. Right. Because the next time the clock turns, we are going to have a a swearing in of either Biden or Trump or Haley. But somebody's going to be sworn in. So we are 36, 36 months into the administration. And this is an administration that has told us that it's not their fault that there's a border surge. Well, everybody understands with perfect clarity the moment at which the border was busted everybody knows this you know i I hate to go and dig up historical facts i hate to be the guy that's got to actually quote historical stories but i have a story and i can break this down coming up in the next uh in the next hour if if you want okay if you want trump tried two different times to get a deal with the Dreamers. Now, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, I don't want to see a deal with the Dreamers. My point is, Trump attempted to fix the immigration issue and Dick Durbin stopped him because he he went out and he said that Trump said mean things in a meeting and then suddenly nobody wanted to do anything on the border. In January of 2018, President Trump put an offer on the table, a proposal he and others had been working on since the prior September. 
He wanted Congress to provide $25 billion in funding to build the wall along the southern border. In exchange, he said he wanted to offer Dreamers protection from deportation and an incentive of citizenship in perhaps 10 or 12 years. The Dreamers refer to the 700,000 that Barack Obama was attempting to give amnesty to when he couldn't. In fact, when Donald Trump was rebuffed, he offered he offered 1.8 million people an opportunity to get an ac- to get access to the American economy. But the Democrats rejected the offer. This is 2018. They didn't want to do anything that would help Trump. Trump then came back in January of 2019 during a partial government shutdown. And he offered three years of protection for immigrants who were brought to the country illegally as children and those who fled certain countries and are covered under the temporary protected status program. All he asked for was five point seven billion dollars. He took heat from his own constituencies. The fact that Trump providing funding for the Trump border wall had become toxic to Democrats and their aligned socialist organizations. That tells you something. They wouldn't have done a deal at all short of complete and total amnesty so that they can refill the the cities and the communities where people are fleeing from these failed places. Talk about it straight ahead. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Dig. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The Beth Trotman walk-up song from Good Morning BT. Good to have you here, Beth Trotman. How are you today? Hi there. I am awesome. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Is it really only Tuesday? Is it really only Tuesday? I know. I mean, this is really great. I love it. We still have so much week that we get to cover, and it's going to be wonderful and awesome and great all the way around. Um, A question for you, though. Uh, I I was talking about this in the last hour. These these VR goggles that, that the Apple's got going on. Are, are you are you interested in obtaining these things, using these things, uh, any of this sort of stuff? Because as far as I'm concerned, uh, I, I just I, I feel like it's just going to turn out to be bad. What's going on here? This is uh, not my kind of uh, of thing. You know, I we talked about this on Good Morning BT uh, the day before yesterday. I oddly drove past an Apple store <laughs> on the day that these things came out. Um, did not stop to go in, but I have watched. Um, simulations of what this is supposed to look like, this this simulated reality. Um, and it's not like our goggles that we've seen before, but more, it's more like being inside of your phone. You see the world around you, but at the same time, you have your apps all around you, and you can bring up a keyboard and type in midair so that people watching you, it looks like you're, you know, playing air piano <laughs> oh my god wait hold on hold on hold on i'm getting a little interference here uh, just a little tiny bit of interference i don't know it's it's just it's ch- it's choppy uh for a quick moment here uh okay C- go ahead uh, c- continue beth the, 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 the strange thing is is that it it's different than the video gamer goggles mm-hmm. it is more this 
way of existing in reality with access to your apps and access to keyboards and access to your computer, a computer-like world, but while also seeing the real world around you. But I, apparently there are images and real-life, like, avatar-type things that they're saying are creepy. <laughs> but, but I don't quite understand the purpose of it yet. Okay. I see these people driving down the street, and I understand it's you're looking through your kind of monitor thing. I just feel like this should not... This should not be something you would drive down the street with because you want to have peripheral no. vision and all that kind of stuff. I mean, to me, that's pretty pretty scary. Well, all of it, it just seems, I, I, I have, um, I might be a bit of a Luddite in some ways, but I, I always wonder, is this technology necessary? And then somehow right. marketing and, and life, you know, it somehow integrates it into our, our lives. Because, you know, did we need the smartphone? I was fine with my flip phone. You know? <laughs> I didn't know, didn't need all of these, uh, these things, but now I have a smartphone like everyone else and I have become um, used to it and dependent upon it and, and utilize it. And I'm wondering if that's how Apple is going to continue marketing this. And, you know, the first iteration of all Apple products are exciting, but it's always, you know, the third generation that is when it really starts working out the kinks and the bugs. But it's reminding me, and I don't know if you saw this movie, I think it was called Surrogates. It was um, with Bruce Willis, where everyone existed with goggles on, and they didn't go out into the world and actually live. The the world was lived in these kind of chairs where people had on their goggles, and the whole selling aspect of it was there's no crime anymore like the, the crime rate has gone down 98 percent and it's because no one was actually out living no one was out and about people were living in these virtual worlds where they were really reliant on technology and the concern i have is that people will stop it will be yet another another place where people begin to feel more and more isolated and more and more you know, lonelier and lonelier uh, because they're they're kind of immersing themselves in this technology that also somehow is part of the real world too, but mm-hmm. allows you to be completely unfocused on things like eye contact and interpersonal relationships oh. because you're lost in this world of goggles. Oh my God, this so. is terrible. This is the worst thing I ever heard in my... <laughs> First of all, we have to flip the script. I need to break out of the goggles and go out running, frolicking in a field of uh, of, of daisies. I mean, I need to yes. I, I need to be grounding myself. I need to be laying on the dirt and smelling the dirt. And believe me, I'm anti-dirt. I, I don't even like nature. But I, I will not sit in a room <laughs> with, with a bunch of stanky people who are who are sweating it up with the goggles on their faces. I, I, I want to get out there in nature. I'll, 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 I'll even lay in a manure pile if I have to just to get the, the full full effect. This is this is terrible. Like this. Where, where is where is the joy of life in this? I'm, I'm not I'm not accusing you of not being part of that. I'm, I'm just saying this. This to me is. This, this this thing where we're just going to be sitting on barco loungers with uh, goggles on our faces, what, yeah, ooh. it's it's kind of the the the, the final scenes of Wally, you know, where people are up in space and they're yes. in their chairs and they're living in this virtual world, and we're we're we have a degree of it with our phones, you know, the the, the fact that people will sit on a park bench now and they'll be texting other people yes. even though they're beside their friend on a bench, and, and we're seeing young people who have spent a great deal of time communicating via text 
find themselves in anxious in positions of anxiety at restaurants because they don't like interacting with waiters because they would much rather be at a kiosk, you know, just pressing the numbers in. And we're creating, um, a, a, I, I fear that we're creating um, an inability to have real in-depth conversations and personal communication and right. and uh, interactions that, uh, that require things like empathy mm-hmm. and compassion mm-hmm. and understanding the human condition and understanding facial expressions and, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things that only come with experiencing humanity. They, they don't come That's with right. swiping left on an app and deciding if someone is worthy, you know, mm-hmm. In five seconds, well, their physical appearance. Well, uh, all the, the, of it. The, all the, of it is scary. The swiping. The swiping is getting us into trouble with a whole other set of kettle of fish here with the people out Why, there. Why? Yes, not, it is. Oh my god! We have to later on in the week. You and I have to. We have to kick that thing around because that is that is mm, no bueno. Like that. That what? That what? Yes, the, what's coming? No bueno. No. No. Absolutely not. By the way, there is nothing better though than sitting at a table. With with your loved one or 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 somebody else, and and you start you start cracking on the person who's uh, being a goof at the table, and you text you text them even though they're like nine feet away from you, and you're like, you believe what you believe what Gary is saying right here? This is unbelievable. Like that's actually kind of fun. I think I, I think it's good for meetings. It's good for meetings when the meetings are getting a little bit long in the tooth, and you're sitting there going, when is this thing going to wrap up? I got to go get a sandwich. I mean, you know that kind of stuff is. <laughs> You could do that with a flip phone. You could. Yes, you could. That's a very, oh, yes, and it's way more conspicuous. <laughs> Ooh, A, dot, dot, B, dot. Okay, yeah. Uh, what do you? <laughs> what is? What does Beth Troutman have planned with Bo Thompson tomorrow morning? Well, tomorrow we have Lee Brown, who is one of the six uh, Republican candidates. Uh, vying for District 8. We had her as part of our District 8 debate last week. She will be joining us on the show to talk more in depth about some of the conversations that they had on the stage last week. Uh, We're also going to have Governor Pat McCrory in the studio, as we always do at our during our 9 o'clock hour. And of course, we'll be covering all of the news headlines, entertainment headlines, and the fun headlines that'll get you thinking, get you talking, hopefully get you smiling as you head into work so that you can interact with the human beings around you. Amen. Good stuff. Beth Troutman, always good to talk to you, my friend. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you, my friend. You're very welcome. And Beth Troutman was uh, here, brought to you with the great people at PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition. Uh, That's uh, why we enjoy uh, such great conversations, because both of us had successful experiences with PhD Weight Loss. How about that? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Breaking Brad Jensen joins us. That's what that music means. Uh, with a big story out of Mecklenburg Schools. What's going on, Breaking Brad Jensen? Yeah, um, I was just around 3.30, just before 3.30, um, I broke the news that a gun was found today on a student um, at North Mecklenburg High School. So a couple of students get into a fight, and... Um, and then, so after the fight, they start doing searching of the students and they find a loaded nine millimeter gun in the student's backpack. Wow. And it turns out I just had more information, um, exclusive information that was given to me that, or that I received is that the gun 
was a stolen gun. Whoa. As, as they usually are, to be perfectly honest with you, they're usually stolen. This was a stolen 9mm gun, fully loaded in a student's backpack at North Mech. At no point did he break out the gun and wave it around or show anybody or whatever like that. It was hidden in his backpack. Um, I can also tell you that this is the second gun found at CMS this year. Coincidentally enough, it was also at North Mech High School this year. Wow. So, the and here's the thing, Brett, and people are wondering, well, where's the body scanners? Okay, so yeah. uh, some of your some of your old high schools all over the country, um, including here in Mecklenburg County, some of them are what are called open campuses, meaning some of the classrooms, you don't have to walk through the main building to get to class. Oh. They're, they're mm-hmm. open to the, 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 the outside. South Mech is exactly the same way. And so I know part of the $2.5 billion bond issue that was passed by voters actually, and it wasn't even close, part of the things that they plan on doing is closing in North Mac or redoing North Mac and South Mac High School, closing them in so you actually have to go through a building or you know, an, an actual building and the actual body scanners in order to get to class. Wow. Um, so there's, there's really no guarantee of any kind of safety and security in these sort of plants, right? Yeah, and those particular kind of schools, South Mech, North Mech, I think Myers Park is the same way. A couple of the, your, your older schools, yeah. you're exactly right. Your newer schools, you know, Providence, Mallet Creek, Butler, you know, Lake Norman, Huff, yes, there are, they're all secure. And, you know, when, you know, Audrey Kell, when you walk in, there's only one way in. You know, when you all have to go through the body scanners. You know, there might be two entrances, and there's a body scanner at each, each entrance. But these older schools... North Mech, South Mech, Myers Park. Yes, you you have you have access to classrooms, you know, without having to go through body scanners. Let's say let's say even if the students are required every single morning to go through a body scanner, well, how easy is it when you have half of your classes or right. like you're just walking outside in a courtyard, they go, Hey, I'm gonna run to my car real quick, and then that's when you pick up the backpack with the gun in it and you go back to class. Wow, this is crazy. Because you're not having to go re enter the building. When when somebody is, is found with a gun on the campus like that, do 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 they do they do a lockdown? Do they toss everybody for, for weapons? I mean, how how do they how do they do this, Brett? Well, I mean, what they'll do is they'll search and I um, it, it depends on it depends on each situation. Um, you know, more times than not, it would not be a lockdown if it's an isolated incident and let's say a gun is found in a locker. Right. Or in this particular case, a backpack. Because the gun was not brought out as a weapon. It was just in a backpack. Now, speaking to um, some sources um, with law enforcement today about this, I said, okay, what happens next to the student? And they said, well, because it's a juvenile, meaning 17 or younger, because the North, the new North Carolina law says 17-year-olds, you know, they're juveniles. They used to be 16 and 17-year-olds could be, you know, were adults, not anymore. It's 18 and above. And that's the way most of the country is. So what they're going to do is the, they'll, a judge will determine or a magistrate will determine whether or not the kid will be released to his parents mm-hmm most likely with an ankle bracelet or if the kid will go into juvenile detention. Wow. wow. So there's a strong chance, a 50-50 chance, maybe even maybe even a 60-40 chance, the kid who brought a stolen loaded 9mm gun to school 
will be turned over to his parents. Wow. Hugely important uh, uh, story. Uh, This could have ended so much worse. Um, Thanks for uh, breaking this down for us. And I know uh, you'll be you'll be efforting more information on this uh, moving forward. Appreciate you being here today, my friend. I appreciate it, Brett. Thanks a lot. You got it. That's Breaking Brett Jensen. I'm Brett Witterbull. Coming up, Chad Caton is going to join us. We're going to talk about the real dangers of the unchecked immigration border issue. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. I want to welcome to the program Chad Caton talking about the uh, crisis at the border and unveiling the true scale of unchecked immigration. This is an issue that is that is absolutely front of mind with so many people, especially given uh, the, the the back and forth that's been going on today with this uh, with this plan coming out of the Senate. It's been declared dead on arrival uh, by Mike Johnson and, and, and the rest of the uh, House of Representatives uh, on the Republican side. Um, but we are in a uh, crisis situation. I want to welcome Chad to uh, to the program and to talk a little bit about this. Chad, thanks so much for making time for us here. No problem, Brett. Thank you. So let's let's talk about uh, the fact that there are 670,000 gotaways that entered the U.S. without apprehension and nearly 5,000 give-ups. That's uh, part of the piece that, that you have, uh, have penned today. Talk about the risks here. You're somebody who understands the security picture. What are we looking at? Well, that's per day. So um, the, the big thing here is that we are being invaded. I don't care what anybody says. And, and ultimately, it's mostly uh, fighting-age men. You know, the days of, of, of seeing females and children come across um, seem to have gone by the wayside, uh, all to the point where we've seen the viral video where there was a, a man saying, you will know who we are That's here right. soon to a veteran. Yep. And then on top of it all, right there in Manhattan, you saw cops getting kicked in the face by illegals mm-hmm. that we are currently paying for to feed and, and, and house. And, and, and as that's happened, they, this regime, Biden, the Biden regime has, has shown where they put veterans to the point where they put them out on the street and they're taking care of each other in small tent cities to give that warm bed to an illegal. It, it, it's absolutely disgusting of what's going on in our country right now. And let's face it, the left, they're not even paying attention anymore because they don't care what we think because we can't do anything about it until we take back control. Uh, Ch- uh, Chad, uh, Caton is uh, joining us here, National Director of Operations, VFAF and Veterans for Trump. So when you look at this and you hear uh, the, the, the clear uh, deceit coming out of this White House where the president today says, that the, the the border was you know the border was not broken. Uh, he needs more power. He needs authorizations. He needs all that stuff. And then he blames Donald Trump for being the, the the culprit here. He is the guy who broke the border. The border was secure under Trump, and it was secure for a number of years. We all remember what it looked like. You're absolutely right. And 
And here's Joe Biden once again going to speak to the lowest common denominator. Unfortunately, it's like 48% of our country because they're actually believing this, or they're so ideologically triggered that orange man bad that we might as well, we're willing to throw away our country under the guise of somebody who doesn't know where he's at half the time. I mean, I'm, it's really too critical fail at this point. And, and, and what it is is that we need to engage with one another and we need to show the, the strength of this country. Um, a buddy of mine, uh, you know, he always says the, the best time this country was together was 9-12, the day after 9-11. And here's what, what crisis do we have to get to for the liberal left to actually get past their ideology and understand what's really in front of them? Maybe it, it's going to happen when it hits their front door, like you're seeing in New York and Chicago, where their governments are actually losing their mind because... They, they're trying to be sanctuary cities under the stupid concept of being a sanctuary city, and their, their citizenry is paying for it. We saw it with the police being attacked. Um, we're seeing the, the defecation on the streets. We're seeing people getting robbed. It, it's out of control right now, and law and order has gone to the wayside under the regime of Joe Biden. So let's do an either-or comparison here, okay? We, we understand okay. that we've got probably 10 million that have come in, maybe maybe plus or minus uh, that number, but over the course of the last three years, it's been about 10 million people coming into the country, on top Fair. of the 12 million or 20 million, whatever the number was in the pre-existing world. Talk about... Um, the veterans who are homeless in this country, who are being denied opportunity, who may be uh, uh, falling by the wayside as this administration decides to prioritize not those veterans, but to prioritize people who have come in, uh, who have not passed background checks, who have not served this country. Um, What about that comparison that we've got happening here in this country? Phenomenal, and it's and it's unbelievable to the point where it's just not taking veterans out of homes that that were that were built for them to to readjust, or even halfway houses after they came back from war, dealing with PTSD and substance abuse that 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 they are dealing with. We're get they're getting kicked out, and they're putting these illegals in those beds. On top of that, having being a disabled veteran myself, yes, sir. and taking 19 months since Biden took over for me to get an eye exam because Donald oh. Trump put in the Choice program for us to go out into our communities, and and they can charge uh, the they can charge the VA. You that program's still in place because they could never get rid of it. We would completely lose our mind. But they make it almost impossible. Nineteen months. I have to get a prescription every year oh my God. for my for my eyes. But it took nineteen months for me to get a to be able to go see a doctor to get that prescription under the VA. Now they're giving uh, they're pushing veterans out and actually giving VA services to the illegals that are coming across our border. Now, so now that we are already being put on the, on the back burner just because we are the VA. But now it's even worse because they're, they're using the VAs as hospitals and doctors, uh, places for them to go to doctors. Because you know why? It's easier to hide at the VA than it is a regular hospital. It's easier when the hospitals that are for profit are sitting there saying, whoa, 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 stop bringing all these people in here because right. it's costing us a fortune to treat them. They do it at the VA so that they can hide it. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Are, 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 are you saying the migrants are going into the VA? They most absolutely they are. Whoa! Google it. It's it's been it was brought out I think three or four days ago, and there's video. There's there's actual VA whistleblowers. They are now utilizing VAs across the country to actually uh, send these these illegals to have medical services because they can't take them to hospitals. If they did that, yeah. the hospitals would lose their mind. This is um, 
this this is a, a defining moment for this country. When, when I sure. see Chuck Schumer show up on TV as he did today or yesterday, and 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 basically says, if we don't pass this immigration bill, well, we're going to have to send your sons and daughters to go fight Putin uh, over in, in in the NATO countries and and in Europe, and, and he uses that like a dog whistle, not respecting the sacrifice that many of these veterans have already put in. Uh, by the way, we, we remember Abby Gate and the 13 that were murdered, despite the fact that the intelligence was, was readily available that there was going to be an attack um, at, at that surrender site. Um, th- this, is, this is disgusting, it, it, Chad. This is, this is absolutely disgusting to try to use that sort of appeal to the American people to kick in another $160 billion to Zelensky. Uh, my, my God. I've got a message for Schumer. Yep. Why don't you kid up and you lead us in? I dare you. Take our sons and daughters over there to the uglies of war. You do it. Why don't you grab a chest plate and a, and a M4 and you go over there and you can lead the way. You know he won't do it. He can't look over his glasses. Yeah. And for him to put that kind of dog whistle out into our political lexicon that is already as ripped as can be yeah. is disgusting. Yeah. That's why what I pinned today in my op-ed, mm-hmm. it says, Basically, under the guise of you are immoral people on the left. You are immoral, you are not paying attention, and you are doing it under the one reason, either to save your own behind because of what you've accomplished and, and, and Donald Trump's going to expose all of you or, and the America First movement, or you just don't like Donald Trump. And if it's that petty, I actually hope it is that they're trying to save their own neck because if it's that petty that they just don't like Donald Trump, we are a way bigger problem than we ever thought we'd were. Chad Caton, uh, where do people go to find more information about you and, and, and your, uh, your, your Twitter handles? My Twitter handle is I'm fired up too, as you all can see. <laughs> I stay pretty fired up all the time. <laughs> yes. And uh, also, you can go to veteransfortrump.us. Go there, sign up, be a part of the bit largest growing coalition in the country to stand next to Donald J. Trump and get him put back in that White House. Please go to veteransfortrump.us. And my Twitter handle is I'm fired up and number two. All right. Uh, appreciate you being out there. Thank you for your service. And uh, we'll certainly uh, stay on this with these VA hospitals uh, uh, taking in uh, migrants. We had not known about that. Thank you very much uh, for, for your service to the country and look forward to catching up with you again. Yes, sir. Thank you. You got it. That's Chad Caton. So coming up at the top of this next hour, we have got North Carolina basketball. Uh, Clemson tonight, I believe it's Clemson. So we are, uh, we're waiting for that to, uh, to kick off. Between now and then, we're taking your phone calls for the next uh, eight or nine minutes, uh, 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110, to, to comment on anything that we've been hitting uh, across the, uh, the last numbers of, uh, of, of, of hours here. What will we do to fill the empty spaces? Not just a uh, homage to Pink Floyd, but a question that's been asked. WCNC's got a piece on this today. Discussions continue on how to fill empty offices in uptown Charlotte. City leaders are turning their focus to reimagining empty office space into something new, hoping it will bring more people to uptown and beyond. You know, I, I guess the question would be, what's stopping you from coming into uptown and beyond? Like, what is what is it that's that's preventing you from deciding to go and do that? Sports and entertainment are bringing back life into Uptown and other parts of Charlotte 
following the pandemic. But there are still empty offices in and around the Queen City after many employees turned to remote or hybrid work. On Monday, Charlotte City Council's Jobs and Economic Development Committee gathered to discuss the future of those spaces, sharing that the overall office vacancy rate is about 23 percent. They're hoping to reimagine those spaces into something that supports the city's current needs. You can quite often look at challenges as opportunities, said Mayor Pro Tem uh, Dante Anderson, uh, and it's a great opportunity for us to reimagine. So how would we reimagine Uptown? How would it be reimagined? Among the buildings reimagined was the former Duke Energy headquarters on Church Street. The developers proposed the building, first constructed in the 70s, be converted into a residential facility with ground floor retail and rooftop amenity space. Several members of the council, including Mayor Pro Tem uh, Anderson, Councilman Ed Driggs and Councilman James Mitchell, expressed interest in the proposal. But how do we how do you make this work? Because the number one thing you're going to have to have, I mean, just without a doubt, as far as I'm concerned, is you're going to have to have parking for cars. It's, it's one thing to live in an urban area where. You know, you've got sky, you've got skyscrapers and, and you've got restaurants and you've got venues and you've got all that stuff. But how are you getting your groceries? Oh, Brett, Instacart. Uh, uh, the, the, you have pe- for people that will uh, deliver food to you. OK, well, what happens if you get called uh, to go out of town for an event? What if you're going to go down into Fort Mill? What if you want to go up to Lake Norman? Uh, how, how are you getting it? Well, we'll take an Uber. I, I think the average person, especially here, wants to have access to a vehicle. You, you, can, you can take public transportation, sure. You can take Uber. You can take any of the other stuff. You can book a car service. But that's expensive. And if you want to be spontaneous and decide, hey, you, what do you say we go take a drive up to you know, this place or that place or something else? Or let's go drive over and do some shopping over here. Let's go, let's go buy some new furniture and bring it home. I think the parking is an important part of it. I I envisioned once upon a time when I was talking about this during the pandemic and people were saying, look at all this empty, uh, this empty space that exists in these buildings. I I, I said back then and I got yelled at. I got yelled at about this. I said, you could have an entire mini city encapsulated in a building. You could have you could have residential uh, on the top, say, 10, 15 floors. You could have a school in the in the building itself where the people who live in the buildings kids go to school in the building you could have uh, facilities you know sports facilities or maybe shopping facilities and all that sort of stuff um you could you could apportion it however you wanted to do it but the question becomes how viable is it i i've talked to people in other cities who have said to me oh no the, these these skyscrapers are perfect for low-income housing they've already been built and you can provide uh, a very nice uh, living situation for people who otherwise would be on the outs. I've, I've, I've heard from people with that idea as well. And then, and then I've heard, you know, you just take these buildings, you make them all straight residential, boom, you have, you have your parking, that's what it's going to be. You want the young people coming in, you want them doing stuff. You do, but with that, I mean, my gosh, we know there's debates going on in Charlotte right now about public defecation, public urination, public uh, public exposure with people who are doing things they shouldn't be doing on sidewalks. All that sort of stuff is up for debate. You want to you want to push a kid in a 
You you want to push a kid in a uh, in, in a stroller while some guy's doing something he shouldn't be doing in front of people who shouldn't be seeing it? These are the challenges. You have to be willing to put bad people in jail, uh, put emotionally disturbed people uh, under commitment or, or get some sort of treatment, and you have to make it hospitable for families, which means you have to you have to manage crime. And you have to have police present and, and, and around. Maybe what you do is maybe you, you, you use an incentive in some of these buildings that are going to get repurposed. And you get housing for people who work in law enforcement at a discounted rate. So that they're close, but, but still available. You know, these are all the challenges that are out there. And if you're going to reimagine the way these things are going to go, you have to kind of figure it out. But at the same time... People are, 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 are fleeing the schools. Um, people want a different kind of quality of life. They want to get out into the country. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, that, that's going to have to get balanced here. So I would say that if you're going to try to, if you're going to, try to sign, sign up uh, people to, to be a part of these reimagined uh, areas, you're going to have to have something that's competitive enough that they're going to want to be a part of it. Or perhaps, perhaps you may want to turn to people who are a little bit older. A little bit of these older folks who may want to live in these buildings and, you know, they can they can interact with uh, with uh, people their own age. You can have a cafeteria or a cafetorium. I've, I've heard it called both things at varieties of, of life in my time. You can have some sport. You have pickleball courts. Don't put that up on the roof because you don't need you don't need to get hit with a pickleball while you're just kind of minding your business. That would be extreme pickleball. Batting cages. Top golf? How about top golf on the 35th floor? How great is is that? Top golf on the 35th floor. Top floor golf. Top floor golf. I mean, that would be something. You wear your you wear your VR goggles. Now you're playing you're playing whatever golf course you want to play as you're running into the glass windows and bang, banging off of them. I mean, a lot of stuff. There's a, you have a, the options are really left to you, your own design. So in the overnight, feel free to just reach out to me. Tell me how you would fix it. By the way, be sure to go on our trip coming up on the Danube in late November of this year. Cruise-tour.com. Check it out at tourwithbrett.com. Tourwithbrett.com. Thanks so much for joining me uh, here today. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks to uh, uh, Isaac and TJ and Pam and Anna. And all of our great guests, including Break and Brett Jensen, we appreciate you being here today. Coming up in a matter of minutes, it's going to be UNC basketball taking on Clemson. Coach is back tomorrow. I'm Brett Witterbull. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. A lot more action. Little less talk.